0: Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door. Having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now on to today's episode. Hi everybody. I hope, really hope you've had a good week. Um, I say that with great faith because it has been a crazy week with more and more crazy announcements going down in every state. I know we just had some crazy announcements this week in Queensland, of which I'm going to do an open, instead of an open letter, I'm going to do an open podcast next week to the premiers because this is really getting beyond a joke. Um, anyway, that is for next week. I hope you guys are okay. I hope you're holding the line and just... Um, I'm just really praying peace over all of you in this um, really crazy kind of season. Um, I have had a really busy couple of weeks, but thank goodness things are calming down now on the last stretch as I go towards Christmas. Can you believe that? I'm like, I normally would have started my Christmas shopping ages ago. I haven't even began. So I've probably just completely stressed you now also. Um, But yeah, I've been around the place preaching quite a bit. Uh, A few things here in Queensland, been up to Toowoomba, just came back from Adelaide. Shout out to all the LifePoint girls that listen. Um, It's been amazing. Just had an open day for Academy and I'm finding everywhere I go now, I have so many of you that come up and go, oh my gosh, I listen to Girl Next Door podcast and I love it and I really appreciate that. Thank you for your encouragement. Um, I was looking at all the reviews on, I don't use Spotify, but I, I don't even know if you can review on Spotify, but I was looking at all the reviews on uh, on Apple and I've, I think I've got like more than 25 or 30 actually written, actual written reviews, which is Amazing for a podcast. I was like blown away. So, thank you so much to everyone doing that. And again, if you can continue, for some reason, my first 37 episodes now have dropped off. It was 30, now it's 37. I need to look into that. But if you can keep rating, reviewing, um, and sharing, that would be amazing. And subscribing. All right, today, I think we're up to episode 137. Oh my gosh. And I think within that, I've only missed one. Ever in the whole history of Girl Next Door, which was the other week when I was traveling and I just couldn't record. Anyway, today I want to follow up on Wednesday's conversation, um, which was a wonderful conversation an eye-opening conversation with Letitia Shelton from City Women uh, all about pornography. So I wanted to attack it today from a parent's point of view. I hope I get through everything. I want to drop so many things on you today to help you with how do you deal with this? How do you talk to your kids about porn? How do you uh, more than talk to them about it? How do you navigate them and protect them from falling into this addiction that is... um, Ruining so many people's lives. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to Wednesday's episode where we got a lot of insight from Letitia, um, who has a goal of eradicating porn from our city, and landed a phone call from the president of uh, the president's assistant from France, which was amazing. Um, That conversation was really good for me. This is probably a topic I haven't looked at for a while. I normally do it in the Youth Alive Academy, but I haven't actually done it for a couple of years, so I think I need to get back to doing it. But to be honest, I didn't realize how violent porn had become. Um, But then how could I not have made the connection when movies like Fifty Shades of Grey became so popular? Um, And I just want to encourage you today Don't switch off no matter how young your kids are um, because we need to be prepared and having conversations now younger and younger because of the internet, because of the access we are giving our kids to to the internet as well. Um, And also don't think, oh, it doesn't affect me. I only have girls because now one in three visits to porn sites are from girls. Plus, of course, it's it's girls that are being objectified. Now, I really believe that as parents, we need to start taking responsibility more for what's going on in society. The, a lot of the problems that we see in society, I believe, are a direct result of poor the poor parenting. I'm just seeing more and more poor parenting. Just, just go to the shops and observe, Um go anywhere and observe Look, the kids coming through even in school it's like wow parents really have gone away from just some of the you know strict kind of ways that they raised that we were raised that I was raised in kind of like the 80s um and and before that and i have so many of you that say i love your podcast because you just say it as it is and it works and that's how i was raised um And so I think that's why these episodes have become so popular um, because it's tough love, I guess, from from me as one parent to another. And I think that when we know better, we do better. And I think in this area of, of pornography, as parents, we can't turn a blind eye or think, oh, my kid's only three or four or five. If we know better, we do better. And then we raise better humans. And then we have a better society. And the key to to turning issues like porn on their heads actually begins with us as parents. So I'm going to give you a few facts about porn, um, and then I want to uh, give you some keys on what you can do, what you need to do to help guide your kids in this area. So let's get cracking because it's already been five minutes. Um, But let me tell you by starting off, um, this is probably a, a good thing, an encouraging thing, that there is one major key to protecting your kids against porn. And that key is actually you. You, the parent, having a deep connection with your child, and this is not just me saying this, this is research saying this, you having a deep connection with your child is actually the best way to protect them you know them being able to have meaningful conversations with you them knowing they can trust you them knowing they can come to you with anything them knowing that they will always be accepted and loved by you and and them knowing that you will always protect them a meaningful relationship and I'll talk a bit about that more at the end you and I we need to be the best source of information for our kids remember the halloween episode uh, a couple of weeks ago, it it's the same. It might be a different issue, but it's the same principle. Don't be afraid of these topics. Use them as opportunities to teach your child. And again, you know, the keys to these conversations, like with Halloween, it's not ramming things down their throat, ranting and raving at porn and how it destroys the world. And, you know, those things might be true, but kids hate nothing more than mum or dad getting on their soapbox. It's like the quickest way to turn them away. So how do we approach this when it comes, when it comes to porn? Let's start with a few facts. Let me give you about five quick facts. Number one, it's not a matter of if they see porn, but a matter of when. Okay. So that should be your premise. When you think about this, it's not a matter of if, but when it's almost inevitable. Now, number two, High school is too late to start talking about this topic because the average age that kids are exposed is from the age of eight to 11. So high school, too late. Number three, just remember that porn is predatory. It's a predatory industry that creates multi-billions of dollars. So exposing kids at an early age is a business strategy. It's organized it's a sophisticated industry. You know, these businessmen interface with banks, the internet providers, software engineers. It is an evil thing, and we need to remember that when it comes to the porn industry. They they're not thinking about protecting your children. They're thinking about going hardcore after your children. Number 4, the industry refuses to do anything to stop kids from seeing or consuming its products and number 5 children and teens brains are much more susceptible to porn addiction because they're still developing and they're much more susceptible to dopamine which is the chemical that's released when we view porn so when children see these things over and over or you know even once but if they if they view them a few times as children or teenagers it becomes a very deeply inset addiction that's very difficult to break in their adult years. So what can we do? We can do a lot. Um, it's not something we need to be afraid of because we, the parents, we do have the power, plus we've got God on our side. So prayer is, is a hugely important thing as well. But there's a two-pronged approach. Firstly, we need to create practical ways to protect our kids with rules and guidelines and monitoring. And secondly, what I talked about before, we need to develop and foster a deep connection with our kids. Okay. So I'm going to talk around those two things. So let's look at the first one. How do we create some practical ways to protect our kids? This takes really intentional, present, interactive parenting. Okay. So I want to give you probably about five practical things that you can do Um, to protect your kids. And look, this list is not exhaustive. I'm sure there'd be other things that you can do, but these all have worked for Cameron and I with our three kids. And of course, we've got two boys, as you know, and it mostly these things are going to revolve around technology because that is exactly how porn is getting into their hands. So number one, what can we do? Can we please, and I say this in love, can we please stop putting phones and iPads and technology into the hands of our kids. Now, I know you might say, well, that was easier for you, Renee, because phones weren't as prevalent when my kids were young. Um, They weren't, you know, the iPhones that are as as accessible to, to the Internet now. But I can absolutely promise you I know exactly how I would parent my kids now if they were younger. Once you give them a phone, it is very difficult to take that back. I've talked to parent after parent that will say, if my kids are used to the iPad and I don't give it to them, or they've had been watching stuff for a while, they are grumpy, they are irritable, all they want, they will whinge and whine to get that thing back into their hands. That's because it's addictive. The technology is addictive. Now I'm gonna be really tough. But you need to stop. We need to stop using the iPhone or the iPad to babysit our children. My kids never were given phones, iPads. Obviously, they weren't around as much when they were really little. But I never gave them technology. The the big thing back in our kids when they were younger were those um, mini portable DVD screens. I didn't take them into cafes and sit there letting them watch movie after movie you know the, that was a treat for if they were on a in a car trip, um, or they would watch. They loved watching TV at home. I didn't mind that, but not all the time because they played a lot. But we need to stop using technology to babysit our kids. We are not doing them a favor. And do you know what? Don't say to me it's hard. And you know I love you guys, so I'm going to be tough on it. It's not hard. It's and you know what? It's up to you being a, a tougher parent. A, a parent that just says, no, it's actually lazy parenting because it's not what is best for your kid. It's what's convenient for you. And I know some of you, this might be going, oh, ouch. But if you can take that on board and go, you know what? I'm just going to make it a rule. My kids are just not going to have a phone or iPad in their hands during the day go back to you know old school. I mean, back in the day when I was growing up, the thing was, oh, don't let them watch too much TV, which we didn't. And again, I'm not saying exchange iPads and iPhones for TV, but just don't let them have them because the internet is sitting on those things. It's much more dangerous. Let them watch some TV, but again, not all day. All right. So that's number one, take the phones out of their hands. Number two, don't give your kids a phone too early. They do not need it. Um, what did I do with this? Well, our kids starting, started catching the bus when they went to high school when they were 13. So when they were 13, they had a flip phone. I kid you not, a flip phone. So there was no internet on there. It was just um, so that they could call me because that's all they need to do. Um, I think Ashton might have had a phone a little bit younger, but I'll talk in a minute about um Uh, a piece of technology, an app that I used to stop him having access to uh, apps and things like that on the phone. But he loves listening to music. But if you can hold off as long as you can, um, then that's a really good idea, which I'll talk into more a bit in a minute as well. All right. Number three, this is not a technology one. Well, it kind of is. Pick your schools wisely. Okay. Okay. Pick a school where the principal can actually control the use of mobile phones in their school. Our principal in our kids high school used to say that a principal who can't even control phones in their own school is useless. <laughs> That's literally what he said. Kids should not have access to their phones during the school day. I picked a school where, where we knew that that our kids' phones used to get collected at the beginning of the day, and they were stored in the teachers' offices. And the principal—I kid you not—he was crazy, but I absolutely loved him. The principal used to go around sometimes with a, um, uh, what, you know, one of those metal detectors that they'd use at the beach, um, you know, and and they would—he um, would go around with their bags and make sure that they didn't have their phones in their bags. Anyway. Um, so we picked a school also on purpose that did not use iPads and computers all day. Now, I'm just going to little do a little poo-hoo on Christian and private schools here because they seem to be the worst for this. They think that they're being so technologically advanced. They're not, in my opinion. What they are doing, I, I was even chatting with someone the other day and all their kids are getting laptops for school at really young ages. I'm talking like from year seven onwards. I just, don't agree um you might say oh but the kids are going to be you know backwards with technology no i guarantee you they won't believe me they won't they have access enough at home um and it doesn't mean no school's going to do zero technology but why do they have to have ipads all the time why do they it's actually not good for them as a teacher i'm saying it's not good for them They need to be actually writing by hand. It develops a a different part of their brain. And what we're doing is we're producing kids that have to Google everything. So be careful. iPads and computers don't mean a better education. In fact, our principal used to say that he limited it because he wanted kids that could think for themselves. I praise God for that guy. I don't even think he was a Christian, but anyway. All right, number four, another practical guideline don't allow technology into the bedrooms, okay? Don't let them charge their phones in their bedrooms. Don't let them take them in there at all, especially not at nighttime. I know a lot of teenagers who have their phones in their rooms, sleep with their phones. It's not a good idea. That's when things can happen. Trouble can happen. They can get into chats and all sorts of things. So no no phones, no laptops in their bedrooms. Keep everything in the main area of the house where you can keep an eye on the screens. Number five, Make sure that your kids know who's boss, okay? This is another one about obedience, I guess. Uh, And of course, I'm talking about you because guess who pays the internet bill? Oh my gosh, you do. Guess who pays for the phones? Guess who pays for the plans? You do. That means that you are in charge and you're the boss of how technology runs in your house. So be the boss. They're not going to like it. They're going to whinge about it but believe me, they'll be thanking you when they're older. So just think to yourself, is technology running us in our household or are we running it? The use of any technology is a privilege and not a right. So don't let your child make demands or whinge or whine when they don't get their way and make sure it's not the center of your household. And number six, oh, I think I've got two more, no, three more. Number six, don't allow access to social media or other apps too early. Now my theory on this is you don't want them to have it too early, but you also don't want them to have it too late. I know that sounds like what you could you're confusing me. Um but you don't the, the reason is you do want to be able to teach them how to handle technology and and social media. So Um, I think some parents who hold off too late, say they're like, no, you're not having any social media till you're 16. Well, that only gives you two years because by the time they're 18, they've usually got licenses and cars and Uh, jobs and they pay for their own stuff. Well, I hope they do. They should another part of good parenting. Um, and so they kind of have a little bit more autonomy. So that only kind of gives you two years to teach them how to navigate and use social media and internet, um, wisely. So I kind of think the age of 13 and then drip feeding and allowing them to have a little bit of access and then a little bit more, but under your supervision, I think that's worked for us anyway. Um, I'm really lucky my boys didn't really care much for social media at all but Georgia did uh, and so I heavily monitored her from the age of 13 and then um, you know and often I would say to her sweetie it's not you that I don't trust it's other people you know because straight away you're giving boys access to them to message them you know all that kind of stuff so so you need to heavily parent that. Uh, number seven and that leads me to number seven, monitor their internet usage. So, you know, you would not allow a stranger just to walk into your house and go up into your daughter's bedroom. You just wouldn't allow it. Every time you let them sit in their room on their phone, talking to who knows who, that's exactly what you're doing. This is where predator danger comes in. But also, like I said, you give boys access, friendship drama happens here, bullying happens here, so again, we would have phones only in the lounge and any of their social media had to be uh, put on private um, and they weren't allowed to have their phones all day. Um, there was only certain times where I would allow them to, to have their phones when they were younger. They could only accept friends on social media with people they knew. Um, I let Georgia know and the boys that I would check their phone at any time Again, not because I didn't trust them, but because I didn't trust other people and I just wanted to protect them and see what was going on, limit the time they could be on there. Uh, now, this is one thing that I did do that um, I want to really give this um, app, the name of this app to you guys. Super helpful. It really helped me navigate my kids' teenage years, but it's called Our Pact. There are probably better ones around, but the one I used is Our Pact, O U O U R Hour. PACT, P-A-C-T. Basically, it hooked up their phones to mine and I controlled, and you can do this for computer, any device they have, you hook it up to this app, very easy to use. And then you could literally schedule the times where they could go on the internet. And then the app would turn their internet apps on and off. According to my schedule, so I only let my kids have access to their apps for like maybe an hour in the morning, hour in the afternoon, or something like that. I blocked it the rest of the time. Now the kids used to get really mad because every time the apps would go back in, it would change up uh, the way that they'd organize their screens, and they'd be like, "Mom, this thing's so stupid!" But I'm like, I don't care. But that's how Karen and I managed it because I couldn't just do it by myself. You got three kids who can pick up their phones at any time. I was sick of being like a broken record going, put it down. What are you doing? Where's your phone? So instead I was like, no worries. If I don't know where you are or where your phone is, although it should have been, yes, it should have been in the lounge, but you know what kids are like. This app, our pact, would just turn all of their apps off and all they had access to was their actual ability to call and their photographs. Um, And so that worked really well. And I used that right up until they were about 16 Um, And then finally, number eight, and I think we're almost going to run out of time to do the next part. Number eight, keep them busy doing other things, okay? It's so good to teach them to fill their time with other things. It makes them far more interesting people. It teaches them other skills. It's good for them to have hobbies and engage in life. All right, so let me quickly go through those again very quickly create, uh, creating practical ways to help protect your kids. Number one, stop putting phones in their hands. Number two, don't give kids their own phone too early. Number three, pick your schools wisely. Number four, don't allow technology into their bedrooms. Number five, make sure they know who's boss and who's paying the bills and therefore who's in control. Number six, don't allow access to social media or other apps too early. Number seven, monitor their internet usage. And number eight, keep them busy. All right, let's look at part two. I reckon we can do this. We might go over for a bit, but hey, you guys love listening, so that's okay. All right, part two was around fostering deeper connections with our kids. This is the other key. Now, this probably needs a whole podcast, multiple podcasts on itself, because forming connections with our kids is just so important. So I'll just talk briefly on it here. But kids who are more connected to their parents are more secure and have less chance of going elsewhere and seeking connection elsewhere, Um, because a lot of uh, a porn addiction really is to do with young people. finding a connection, but also an escape. And so you want to just provide them with a really secure household where they don't want to go looking for that kind of thing. Uh, Kids who are more connected are more likely to tell you when they see something like porn, which means parents can help them navigate it. And then there's less chance of an addiction occurring. And staying connected will look different for every family, but it's really about being there emotionally, as well as just being present physically okay some people think oh yeah i'm with my kids all the time but are you emotionally connected so let me just shoot a few things at you be present with your kids don't be too busy for them or don't be there but on your phone or just you know caught up in your own world do things together when you talk to them actually give them eye contact it's really powerful have meaningful conversations, help them develop the skill of having a conversation, know what's going on in their world, know who their friends are, sit around the dinner table regularly so you can have chats, be there during homework time. Dr. Phil used to say, one of the most powerful things you can do as a parent is just being present in that after school time. Um, And I always took note of that and made sure I was there for my kids after school, including homework. Drive them to school and back if you can. My kids catch the bus now. Ashton catches the bus now, but um, sometimes we drive. But their whole primary school years and even up into their earlier high school years, we always drove them, which was um, a blessing. But we had so many conversations. Don't let them sit in their rooms all day and be disconnected from family. Be together in the lounge room when you can. Have fun. Laugh together. Create traditions. Create memories. Let them know that they are your favorite part of your day. All right, so finally, let's finish on having meaningful conversations around porn. These need to be age appropriate. Um, some books say to start as young as three. I did not start that young. I probably started talking to the boys more. Look, I reckon I might have waited till they're about 10, but now just, you know, a few years later with technology being so much more accessible, I would probably start age appropriate around the age of seven or eight. Um, And, you know, you might say to me, oh, how do we talk about it exactly? And that probably needs a whole other podcast because we're running out of time, but start off by just defining porn for them in an age appropriate way. Okay. So they know what to look for and they know what it is. Prepare them like once you've defined it and again, age appropriate, like if they're really young, you know, you might just say something simple, like, you know, if you're watching something on TV or you, or you've got Mummy's iPad or you shouldn't be giving it to them at the age of three, but okay, let's say they're five or six, you know, and if something pops up, and it, um, it might be someone that's got no clothes on. You know, you can just use that kind of language. Then you come and tell mummy straight away. So just prepare them for it, but be age appropriate. And let them know it's not a matter of if, but it is going to happen And teach them about how there's a whole, you know, business out there where they make lots and lots of money out of this. And it's really sad and it's not your fault, but it will pop up on your screen because that's how, that's how they're, um, they're getting to people because they want to make people look at these things to make money. You know, you can explain, it's good to explain those things to your kids because if they've got that information, then when they see it, they know why they're like, oh, you know, they, they, they understand that this is an industry that's trying to hunt for people because they want to do them harm. It's, it's good for kids to know that. Give them a straight, teach them what, um, what addiction does to their brain. Okay. That's a really powerful thing to do. Give them a strategy on what to do when it happens. Um, you know, just give them a few things. If you see that, I want you to close the computer, you know, close the screen straight away or put the phone down straight away, come straight to mom or dad. Um, talk to them about how other kids might be allowed on their iPhones and iPads, and they might be wanting to show them something and how to deal with that. So basically don't scare them, but make them really aware, make them aware of how this ruins people's lives and how you love them. And you don't want to see that happen to them. All right. So I feel like I've given you a lot of information, but, um, you know, don't be afraid of this. Uh, just remember knowledge is power. Um, and the last thing that I would say too is pray for your kids. Um, I have always prayed really intentionally for my kids, and I probably need to do this more now that I'm talking about it. But I've always, when they were younger, would pray over this area that God would protect their minds, that God would protect their eye gates, their eyes uh, from when they see things, that no addictions would be able to take root in their lives, and and for protection. So I hope that's helped you. Um, it's been a pretty intense week talking on both podcasts about pornography, but it is a massive multi-billion dollar industry, and it is ruining people's lives, their marriages. It's ruining young women. uh, And so we really need to do better as parents to help our kids. Anyway, I hope that's helped. And I hope that you really do have a great week. Go and take some time out, put social media down, pick up a book, and um, I really praying peace over you this week. And I look forward to being back with you on Wednesday. I'll see you then. Bye.